0: That's one small step per man, one Columbia, Columbia, Sign up, AOS, or? Columbia, Sign it. <laughs> up, the now.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of the TKW Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Gettys with my co-host, Dean and Joanna. Dean, how you feeling?
0: I'm feeling good. Two wins in a row, on a back-to-back, no less.
1: On a back-to-back, and on a West Coast back-to-back, in Utah and in Denver for the third time in 30 years, only, like, that we've gone 2 and on that. I got that stat from Miami Brown's earlier. I was like, wow, that's kind of nuts, 1992. But, um, yeah, really, really high vibes in that. One in Denver for the first time in 16 years. Uh, uh, excellent game all around. The guys have been playing much better defense on this road trip. It looks like this team meeting has, you know, hey, even for the temporary factors of it, has really sparked something. And so hopefully those temporary factors are more permanent and, you know, our last thing moving on. But, you know, where are you at as far as, like, your pulse or like your feelings toward this team right now?
0: So this is the best I've felt so far this year, I would say for sure. Um, That closing lineup that the Knicks went to, I wish that RJ could have been a part of it, but the way the game was going, it makes sense that he wasn't. But that effort from Julius Randle, it changes the entire outlook of the team, the entire outlook of the season. It's not just, I think he finished with 31 points and he was definitely on offensively. But that effort on defense, it's repeatable. That's not something that was luck. That's not something that can't happen again. Uh, I've been seeing you saying it. Like, you know, you knew that he was capable of showing this much effort. You knew that he was capable of defending like this. And so it's not a shock to see it, but we want to see it more often. And if we do, it's going to translate to wins. It's a very talented player when he plays with that kind of fire. I think it's something really special. What he did on defense all night and especially in the fourth quarter was special.
1: Yeah, very special. And, yeah, like you said, I just – I know that he's capable of it. You know, in 2020, 2021, I feel like that's the difference of what made us such a good team and why we were top defense in the league and, you know, why we were able to win so many games. And it's just like – you know, and and now people talk about this roster, and there's been a lot said about this roster recently. Um, This is a much better roster than we had two years ago. Like, I think that we can all agree with that. I mean, Cam Reddish is – you know, love Reggie Ballard, really nice guy. Uh, Cam Rogers is a better basketball player. Um, RJ is a better version of himself than he was two years ago. Um, you know, hopefully we get back to that production. These past two six, game, six games have been very, very rough. But before that, he was for the seven games prior, uh, before the OKC game, he was scoring around 24 points a game, shooting almost 50% from the field and shooting over 40% from three, uh, you know, getting to the line. So, Oh, if we get back to that version of rj and he's as locked in as everybody else and julius and i feel like it also was infectious throughout the team like that energy that julius played with because when people people talk about our roster currently and it, they like you know romanticize our defensive backcourt back then like oh you know we had El- alfred payton and reggie Block, and they were more built for defense and reggie Bullock was a good defender like he was you know he wasn't some like super lockdown guy he got 40 on his head a lot like you know like he got toasted a good amount he a lot of guys he couldn't guard a lot of guys he couldn't wasn't very really great with smaller guys like Trey Young and stuff like that. Um to, but he he gave his effort eventually he was always locked in. Alfred Payton was not like a plus defender while he was here. And I need that to, this I need that narrative to go away. I need I need to stop it's bothering me. Um as somebody who watched the basketball games. I, I just need us to, you know, people will be so critical of everything else that everyone else does from much better players and won't acknowledge certain things that certain guys doing, and you, know, you know, glamorize things in past tense. And now all of a sudden our roster is not good enough because we had Alfred Payton back then. That sounds crazy to me, um, you know. And so I just think that this team is very capable. Um, and if Julius is playing that infectious, it's like even Jalen, Julius said that Jalen said to him, he had to dunk that after the way Julius dove on the floor in the Denver game. And it's like, you know, like that, that's, and when, when Jalen, when Julius dove on the floor and Jalen dunked that, I knew we were going to win the game like i felt fully confident that we were going to win the game it was just like yeah this is the energy the passion um i think that translates from one end of the force to the other because honestly julius's offensive game in utah he didn't have a great game offensively but the defense was it was better effort yesterday The defensive effort was phenomenal all game pretty much and you know he was he came out hot for sure but like you said about his defense there not being anything that couldn't be replicated the same way for his offensive game that night i mean 11 for 21 that's good 52 percent from the field isn't like you know insane like that's not something Julius doesn't do you know um and he was he was very he was very efficient and then three for 10 from three like that's not like a sniper like when julius went eight for 13 minnesota was like okay we're not going to get this every night but it's a good thing we're getting it tonight three for 10 is not like some kind of wild, and he got to the line a lot, but he didn't even shoot that well from the line. He was nine for thirteen, which isn't bad, but it's not like exceptional. Like this game could have been even better. And so while he's not going to have thirty four and eleven every night, if he brings that kind of energy, he can make that kind of impact every night. I fully believe it. And like you said, with Julius Randle making that kind of impact, we win a lot more games. We're a much better team. And like some of the things where we started doing like a bad defensive team, suddenly we can lock up and everybody like he's 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 an engine. He we, we saw him be an engine. To a team that was a, got a home playoff series, hosted a playoff series, and it wasn't as talented as this one. And he, second team All NBA, like he earned everything about that. He, like, you know, I, I think he's very capable. I understand the frustrations. Um, I've been frustrated. I'm not saying that, you know, all of a sudden now, all, but it's just like, if he does this consistently moving forward, I'm good and I'm excited. Like, I'm ready. I will, if there's one thing I'll do, I'll start a dialogue. I will say a lot of things. If Julius Randle continues to play like this, I will think the sky's the limit for this team if we get this out of Julius Randle. Jalen Brunson has been phenomenal, like just very steady. I think at this point he's so good that people are taking it for granted, um, and that's a beautiful thing to have. And so, like, he's just been really poised, you know, down the stretch of games, keeping us organized, making big plays when they got to be made, making big shots, um, setting guys up, you know, getting pushing the pace. I've been really pleased with Jalen Brunson, and then I can't say enough about my guy Emmanuel quickly. There's just so much that I'm excited about right now, man. Quick, I've, we've been trying to tell people for a while. Quick is a very good defender. Nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody wanted to hear it. Quick is a very good defender, and he just continues to excel at that end. And at this point, like I said, I will start a dialogue. I will. I'm ready to jump out the window and call Emmanuel quickly one of the better defenders in the NBA. Like it's just so textbook, like it's everything from like the fundamentals of it to the ability to the foot speed, uh, the, the way he uses length, the way he plays the passing lanes, the way he can wall up under the basket or the way that he was able to wall up and contest at the perimeter. Like I, he, he's, he has a, he's a high IQ defender. Um, Emmanuel Kouki has done an excellent job defensively. He's had three like really, really solid games in a row recently. Um, and I'm, I'm loving it. It's like everybody's kind of starting to see the, the impact that he has. Obi has been excellent. I love the fact that we closed with Obi Randall last night. That made me so happy. And, you know, I got to give credit to Tibbs on that. I know that people hate those words. But, I mean, he closed with Obi Randall, uh, and it was working, and he he allowed it to. The, the nine-man rotation has looked good so far. Evan Forney is no longer playing. How do we not start with that? We're irresponsible. I'm sorry. I'm ran- Go ahead, bro. How are you? Like, There's so many things going on. But Evan Forney is not playing basketball, and I'm overjoyed.
0: Evan Fournier is not playing basketball. I think that's been helping the Knicks tremendously on defense, especially because it seems like the few minutes that he was still getting are going to Emmanuel quickly. And like you were just touching on, he's a phenomenal defender. It used to be that people would say, oh, he's too small, you know, say all kinds of things as to why he wasn't or could not be a good defender. It wasn't true at the time. He always had the effort, the length, the footwork. Now he's really putting it together. He's one of the better defenders on the Knicks. Um, One of the better defenders I've watched in the NBA this year. I've seen very few mistakes from him, so I'm totally on board with that. And something that I think is super important, of course, is that Obi Toppin closed the game. But not just the fact that he closed the game. It wasn't like Obi was on an insane heater, and that's how he earned his way into that finishing lineup. It was just the lineup that made the most sense for the moment. I can't recall another time where I felt like Tibbs put the exact right... Five players on the court. And even taking Obi out with a little less than a minute left for Jericho Sims. I mean, I'm Obi's biggest fan, but I understood that. And boy, did that pay off the way Jericho finished the game with that possession guarding Jamal Murray with his effort all night. By the way, Jericho Sims was fantastic. And so I think with Randall, we want to see Randall thrive. It's not Randall versus Obi, but that universe has kind of been created by Tibbs by him not being willing to play them together. So as a fan, you kind of have to think, all right, well, if Obi's going to play, it has to come at the expense of Randall. but it doesn't. And that's never actually been the case. And the fact that he was willing to play Obi over Hartenstein, who you would think is just ahead of Obi in the pecking order, um, and the fact that he would play him over Jericho Sims, who was also a traditional center, who was having a great game, it tells you that he was valuing that fit on offense. And so my biggest priority right now for the Knicks is getting the most possible out of Number one, Jalen Bronson, having the floor a little more spread for Jalen Bronson because he is, to me, the game changer in the clutch. And then also a positive environment for Randall to thrive. And when Randall's doing what he does when he's going, it's just a lot more, it's a lot more tenable when he's got more spacing next to him. And Obi is no longer just a theoretical spacer. Obi is knocking down these shots and he's extremely willing to take them. That's what matters with the floor spacer. Is he willing to shoot it? So I'm, and I haven't even mentioned Cam Reddish. This really is the first time all year that there have been this many things to be excited about. Cam Reddish has been playing within himself. He's been starring in his role. Um, I love Cam Reddish attacking the basket. Just the way he goes straight through defenders, uses his length beautifully. And um, I was happy to see him in that closing lineup. And it looks like he's shoring up that starting spot. I think we're going to see him there for a while.
1: And that, like, like you said about Cam attacking the basket, that left-hand finish with, like, the inside hand when he went baseline was so crazy. I was like, nah, dude, it's really different. And, you know, that's, like, I, I was crying for it. You were crying for what we were saying in the preseason, but all of it, that, like, there were just a lot of better options to be out there and out of the wing spot, um, you know, between quick, between grimes, grimes is a healthy, reddish. And we're seeing, it, like, having, a, like, Cam also provided shooting. He can shoot. He's a threat to shoot the ball, but he's an excellent defender. Like, all over the floor, he's just playing great defense. Like, And he can defend one through four. I saw Tibbs talking about that as well. That was cool. He was talking about that in both guys. Um, but Cam can defend one through four. He can switch. He's, like, you know, he's got length. He's got really active hands. I, mean, I feel like Cam has a bigger defensive impact than people even realize sometimes because sometimes the ball just gets deflected away. And, like, you know, it doesn't even, like, it's, it's so subtle. But it, it's Cam. Like, he's just always active. His hands are always active. Uh, and he's really been a great addition to the starting lineup. And it's, and beyond that, he can also get to the basket. Like you said, like he's a threat to get by somebody and he can bend the defense. And I believe that's also helped ball movement. And like now that he's kind of settling into that role, I look forward to seeing like getting accustomed to getting the touches he needs or like, you know, also us getting opportunities to allow him to push and transition. Like when he, a lot of times he'll run the wing and he'll get ignored. So I hope one of the things at the team meeting was, hey, like let's advance the ball to me when I'm running. Because I think that's a big aspect of how he can help this team because he does finish really well and he's always out in transition and he uses length well in transition as well. So I've been really excited about Cammy, right? There is so much to be excited about and seeing Cam, uh, seeing Tibbs not only not only try something, but like you said, actually pick the right lineup. Like those were the guys who were supposed to be on the floor last night. That was what would have worked. And a lot of times he doesn't adjust game to game or he doesn't like he he'll say things like, Oh, the game will tell us what to do. Like even before this game, he was quoted saying, you know, is there waiting for Obi to get more minutes? And he was just like, oh, the game will tell us what to do. And I almost threw my phone, and I quoted it from the TKW page, and I was like, liar, you're a liar. Because, like, it really felt like, you know, you're, you're lying to us. You always say, oh, the game will do. But last night, he actually let the game tell him what to do. And, you know, I, I, I definitely would even be vocal about that because we're very vocal about when he doesn't do it. So I hope that, he, just like Julius, I hope he continues to do so. I believe he played R.J. a little too much yesterday. Not a little too much. I believe R.J. shouldn't have played at all yesterday, to be honest. Um, but I know that R.J. wants to play through everything, and I love that about him. I loved it more in the Jazz game. Uh, it was like, hey man, you're really like dogging it out, and like you're trying, you're still impacting the game. Like you know, getting to the line, you know, you're you're doing a good job still, even though you're missing the free throws. Um, you know, it was a rough. It was still it's still a bad game, but like he he impacted the game. Um, last night he wasn't able to impact the game. And, you know coming off of uh you know the game in Utah where he's clearly sick, like I think you know like he's he's on he's on the sideline with the mask um people have been talking about him looking sluggish overall. I think he clearly looks more sluggish right now. um I believe he has way less lift um and even the fact that like I mean come on r j was literally just shooting over forty percent from three and all of a sudden he can't hit the ocean from the shore um he hadn't been missing free throws like that. Like, he was, he was better at the free line. I'm still missing some, but that 8-for-14 night was more than I've seen RJ miss free throws all season. And so I'm willing to believe, I'm inclined to believe, and maybe, and maybe I just like RJ, hey, but I'm inclined to believe that the sickness has something to do with it, and, you know, that's a viable excuse one game, maybe. I'll give it to you. But that second game, you can't get that. I think he just shouldn't have played, and whether it was RJ making that decision or Tibbs realizing he didn't have it, uh, some people were under the impression that Tibbs was being spiteful, and spiting us for complaining about RJ being pulled from the OKC game. Because for me, personally, it's just like, if you didn't fit, I don't believe RJ deserves to be pulled against OKC at all, especially not for Fournier. Um, but hey, Fournier is a thing of the past, thankfully. Um, But it's just like, if you're willing to pull him that night and not willing to pull him last night, like last night, I felt like RJ, so I'm, I'm glad that he didn't close with him. You know, I love RJ, but he didn't, he shouldn't have closed last night for the good of the team. Um, And so I hope that he's, Currently bathing in their as we speak and you know drinking the finest herbs and teas. And that he spends the entire day tomorrow doing so. Well, tomorrow this will come out, so it'll be Thursday. But I hope that when we get out like by the Friday with the Warriors. I hope he's ready. I thought it would be really tough to he played 37 minutes against Utah. He came back, uh, you know, Maha. Everybody talks about how difficult it is to play in Maha conditions the day after, like in the back-to-back, especially. And being sick, doing so, I just didn't think it was a thought. It was a perfect storm for him to, you know, really hurt his numbers and the conversations to get stupid. Um, But hey, Friday be back. I hope he doesn't embarrass me on national television. I'm right over him regardless. Uh, But yeah, with RJ back and forth, like you know, RJ getting back into the swing, he seemed to be getting into. um, With Jalen playing the way he is and Julius with this energy, Um, Jericho, like you said, Jericho is phenomenal. I mean, he's really different, man. Like the play where he switched on to Jamal Murray was spectacular, but like he had uh, he had another play where he jumped out on, he like blitzed Bones Highland on the perimeter and moved his feet with them. And then uh Derrick Rose came over to help and they swung it and he got out to the corner to beat the swing pass over there, and then the shot went up and he went to the basket and he tapped the rebound to himself over the rim. And it's just like this is a very special play. Like this is a very special play from a very special player. So shout out to Jericho Sims as well.
0: Jericho Sims jumps so high on uncontested rebounds. It's absolutely delightful. A lot of the time it's not necessary, but you'll hear Mike Breen say, like, Sims skying for that rebound. It's No one's around. He's just showing off the bunnies, and, like, he's got them. And Jericho Sims is spectacular. Um, I'm looking forward to a dunk contest finale later on this year between Obi and Jericho Sims, I Hope the co-winners of the dunk contest. But um, there's, that would be there's, fire. <laughs> there's, I don't know if teammates have ever made it to the final. That would be something nice to look into. But I think that I had on, two best dunkers in the league for my money, honestly. I like seeing big men dunk it. So um, there's just so much positive to talk about with this team. Uh, we haven't mentioned Quentin Grimes yet. We hope to see Quentin Grimes if he's healthy. If Quentin Grimes isn't healthy, and that's the reason that he's not playing, that's understood. Um, if that's the reason why it's a nine-man rotation and not a ten-man rotation, because Grimes isn't quite right, that's that's okay. That's reasonable. I don't want to see Quentin Grimes in garbage time because if you're telling me he's healthy enough to play, I I don't think that's the way uh, at all to get Quentin Grimes reacclimated. But. The rotation right now makes a lot of sense. I thought last night was like one of the best rotations Tibbs has ever run. And even in that game, he did the very questionable handling of a sick R.J. Barrett. So there it seems like there's always going to be something. But like I wanted to reiterate that when Emmanuel Quickly and Cam Reddish are on the court together, that's the most confidence that I have in the Knicks defense. The pressure that they apply, and then at the same time, Obi and Randall together, the question has always been defense and maybe even more so rebounding. But the thing is, it's a completely different defensive look. Like when Obi and Randall are out there together, even though it's been limited minutes over the last couple of years, they play with a ton of energy on defense. And so when those guys are on the court together and you got Brunson and you have Cam, Quickly, or RJ, any two of those three guys, once you secure that rebound, I have so much confidence in the transition to follow it like it's not a it's not a center collecting the rebound outlet pass and then we run it up slow offense like we used to do last year with alec burks in the fourth quarter and that was our downfall so many times now i have like all right we got the stop now i'm excited it's not like we got the stop but now can we score with six seconds left on the shot clock going the other way like no i see ob dashing out you know if randall's running hard to the paint uh, in his own right so much trust in quickly and brunson as decision makers And then, you know, this new secret weapon of Cam Reddish in transition is extremely long strides. He's so fluid in transition. There's a lot to be excited about. I'm really, if Julius Randle can repeat this kind of effort and if OB can close more often, it's not going to be every night. I understand that. I don't want to be unrealistic. But if the game calls for it, like Tibbs touched on the other day, yesterday, if the game calls for it, I hope he's out there. So more OB. Um, more of this positive environment for Randall and Brunson and hopefully RJ soon to really get going as you know individual scorers. I'm really excited about what this team could do. And they're sitting above 500 for all the hoopla so far. The Knicks are eight and seven.
1: Eight and seven, indeed, eight and seven, indeed. And, you know, for this West Coast swing that could have derailed the season, we are two and oh on it. Um, and so, you know, I, I really want that Warriors game, man. I really want that Warriors game. And I think it's gettable. I mean, I'm interested to see how we handle uh, guarding Steph Curry. Like, I, you know, I don't know. I feel like we're going to start the game with Cam on him probably. I doubt it. He hasn't put Brunson on those guys. Um, I don't think he would try with Steph. So I think we're going to see Cam start on him. Um, and I really hope that we get, you know, the good RJ back. And after that, I feel good. I feel really good about that game and I need it um also on top of that i feel like emmanuel quickly versus steph is going to be a very interesting matchup to see for those minutes and i feel like i'm I'm looking forward to seeing quick guarding steph like as well as he's been playing defensively i know that steph is you know steph and steph is playing some of the best basketball ever right now like he's just amazing and so, but I'm I'm looking forward to, seeing and I feel like that'll make quick step up. He's been playing really well lately. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm at a really excited point with this team, and that's good, especially considering how we felt after the Oklahoma City game. And I feel like it was just a very uh, dark cloud over the fan base. Um, I was fed up. Everyone, you we were fed up. Everyone was fed up. The entire aura over the team was fed up. And so, once again, this team meeting. Hopefully, these effects are lasting because we've been been the benefit so far. It's been enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I think another thing to watch for on Friday is, um, I think the Knicks can really bother Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole hasn't been having an incredible start to the season, but he's a fantastic offensive player. And he's prone to turnovers. And I think that Emmanuel quickly, Cam Reddish, if uh, Cam Reddish ends up on him at all, um, I think that they can really neutralize Jordan Poole. So we'll see how that plays out. I always like matching up with the Warriors. Um, I don't know if I'm delusional right now, but I think that the Knicks have played them pretty well the last few years. Um, Even in losses, I feel like that's usually an exciting matchup. So, and and Steph has been playing absurdly well. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. I think that we'll probably see virtually the same rotation. Um, I don't think after winning, after taking both games on a back-to-back, that we'll see much change. The closing lineup will always be a variable. When is Mitch back, by the way? Do you, um, do you have any info on that?
1: I don't. And so, initially, when, I, when it first happened, I thought they said around 10 days, but that would mean that he's coming back now. Like, is what that would, you know, and I haven't heard anything about Mitch coming back. So, I'm not sure, but I, I'm interested to see. I hope he does come back soon. And I'm interested to see what'll happen with not only the center minutes, but Obi's minutes as well. Like, I wonder how Tibbs will adjust to that. Um, I feel like, what do you want to see happen in that regard as far as the center minutes? I know we all want Obi to play more, but what do you want to see happen with the center minutes when Mitch comes back?
0: So, I'm very fascinated by this, because the fact that Tibbs would close with Obi last night, ahead of Hardenstein and ahead of Sims, makes me think that it's possible for Obi to close with all of the centers healthy. Because we haven't seen Tibbs blindly stick to Mitchell Robinson in closing lineups over the last couple of years. So Mm -hmm. if if Obi can earn it over the other two centers, I think that he can earn it over Mitchell Robinson on an individual game basis as well. Um, I'm a huge fan of Mitchell Robinson. I'm seeing a whole lot of, like, why did we bother paying Mitch because of how well Jericho Sims is playing? Not a fan of that take. Um, I'm a big fan of Jericho Sims, but I think the take should probably be um, did we need Isaiah Hardenstein? Is Isaiah Hardenstein a luxury when we already had Mitch and Jericho Sims? So I don't know what's going to happen. I, I can't see Hardenstein getting removed from the rotation. It's not going to be Mitch out of the rotation. Unfortunately, Jericho Sims very well may be a casualty. Now, this is a crowded roster. You know, you could say crowded, you could say deep. Either way, I think it's a good problem to have. But I think Mitchell reclaim his starting spot. I think the closing lineup is very much in flux. Interested to see what happens there.
1: Yeah, I, too, think that uh, I think that Obi can definitely still close because, like you said, he hasn't been married to Mitch closing. It's just a matter of – I know that right now we have Hobie and – I mean, Obi – I mean, not Obi. We have Hart and Sims playing. And, you know, it's normally Hart, with Sims better game up. And I'm just wondering, when Mitch comes back, does Sims stop playing? Or does Hart stop playing? Or, you know, like, he hasn't really used Hart for, like, you know, his passing and things like – or his floor spacing. And Jericho has been really in- – impactful when he's been out there and so it's just like do you go and take this guy who's been really impactful and start giving him zero minutes again and making him situational you know um and also now how many like with heart and with sims it's a little easier for him to give them you know maybe 18 15 to 20 minutes and let obi take some of those and it's like when he's giving the minutes to mitch and also giving them in the heart is he how many is he going to give to obi Uh, And I think what makes all of this easiest, though, is just Obi being the first big off the bench. I want to see that regardless of what happens when Mitch comes back. I want to see that right now when we like no matter what, because what what usually happens is if it's Hart and Sims comes in and he comes in for Hart, I feel like Obi should come in for the center. If he's not going to start, okay, cool. Especially once Mitch gets back. Cool. But he should come in for the center. You should go Obi Randall for a couple minutes and then the center should come in for Randall. And I feel like that automatically gives you a couple of extra minutes in each half for Obi, regardless of whether or not he ends up in the closing lineup. Like it shouldn't be, hey, Obi plays fourteen to fifteen minutes a game, but if he closes, he might get twenty to twenty-two. It should be like Obi is at least at like you know eighteen to twenty-two minutes, and eighteen is already low end. But it's like it should be eighteen to twenty-two minutes, and then he. Can get up to 25 in the closing lineup. Like he should be, we should start to prioritize him more because he's been very productive. And like you said, defensively, Obi and Randall are flying around out there. And it's like, if we're all locked in and playing with that kind of defensive energy, I think, you know, you got to put the best version of the team out there on the floor. And I'm glad that he's starting to adapt. And I hope he continues to adapt even when Mitch comes back and continues to adapt beyond that when necessary. Like you said, going into this game, we'll probably see the same thing as the last two. But yeah, that's how it should work when you've won two in a row. Um, things seem to be working and you're finally clicking and getting into a groove. like you shouldn't change much but you also still from that like night to night in the Utah loss this wasn't the same group closing so you know adjustment necessary and uh, don't fix what isn't broken
0: yeah and speaking of adjustments one that I'm really enjoying is Brunson and RJ checking out at around the six minute mark for Derek Rose and Emmanuel quickly Uh, it helps quickly get a lot more minutes and also allows Brunson and RJ both to play with that second unit Um, That lineup with Brunson quickly, RJ, Obi, and Hartenstein. um, I think that lineup has, has gotten some run together recently. It's very effective. I really, we've always loved RJ with the second unit. It's a It's an ability for him to play a little bit more freely, a little bit of faster pace. The Knicks are 10th in pace, by the way, unless I misinterpreted a stat that I saw earlier, but that's a really positive development as well. They're definitely playing faster. And so Tibbs has been getting more creative with the lineup than I think we've ever seen before. It's not perfect. I don't think we can expect perfect, but he deserves, he deserves credit there. And as long as the team is playing hard, like we have, I've seen some people suggest that the team has quit on Tibbs. I don't think there's merit to that. Like this Knicks team for all of the complaining that we've done as a fan base, all of the gripes that we've had, We never hear of a player speaking out against Tibbs in back channels, throwing any kind of shade in a post-game press conference toward Tibbs, really. Everyone seems pretty happy. The same thing goes with Julius Randle. Like when we're unhappy with Julius Randle's body language and things like that, it still seems that the team, all the players on the team, really get along. So I think that that's an underrated aspect of this team, that if they're all buying in on the court, I think the fact that like the group does gel just as people as teammates they have chemistry now even if it's not the perfect basketball fit at all times i think that it's there and i think that they have fun um there's a good vibe around this team right now so if they can come out of this road trip three and two four and one dare i say five and oh the the season's off to a you know The season's off to a good start. It has not been an objectively bad start of the season. I think some people are tainted by thinking about the long-term outlook of the team. Like, we think, oh, we're not great enough to be great. We're not bad enough to get Wemben or Scoot Henderson. And so where are we? But where we are right now is pretty good. It's a pretty good team that has potential to be a very good team. We can only take it a game at a time.
1: I agree. I think the most upsetting parts have been the bad losses. And I think that's what has people soured um and because yeah today people are like oh you know meaningless wins in november I'm just like what what exactly is a meaningless win in november what exactly is a meaningless win at any time because when you get to the end of the year and you're just saying for playoff position every single game counts with seeding and playing nobody's going to say hey that win is in november it doesn't mean anything and so i i'm really not sure why, why people keep saying that it's pretty annoying but um yeah there are no meaningless wins and where we're at is a pretty solid place to be at I'm excited. I'm hoping for a 5-0 and road trip. Um, I, think, I think the Warriors are beatable, And, you know, of course, the Suns game is tough. But no matter what at the end of that trip, I want revenge against the Thunder. Um, and I also want revenge for the Warriors. Like, it's a national television game. The last time we were on national TV, we got embarrassed. My friends were laughing at me. It was a really bad night. You know, we scored 85 points. We got uh, embarrassed by Edmund Sumner, who, to my, to, you know, to my confession, I didn't know who he was. Never heard of him. Until that game, that rarely happens to me, and so to see him killing us on national TV, we're losing by 30 to the cross-town rival, is disgusting. So I want us to clean up uh, our national image and you know show people the version, show show people what we saw last night. Like that team we saw last night, this team I can fight for, is team I can be proud of, and you know, I hope that's what they bring tomorrow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You have a final score prediction for Friday. I think you're going to predict the win.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely predicting when win, you know me. Um, final score prediction, I'm going to say we've been playing pretty good defense lately. Steph Curry is Steph Curry, though. But I feel like we might defend everybody else pretty well. So I'm going to go with 108-114, uh, Knicks. I was going to go 111-103, Knicks. 111-103, Knicks. I like it. I like it. That sounds good. I like yours better. There's less stress. <laughs> Eight point win.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So, fifteen games in, Knicks are game above five hundred. Hopefully, the next time we check back in with another podcast, they'll be even further above five hundred. It's always all we can hope for, ever really. And so, Julie, final thoughts.
1: Uh, final thoughts. Um, I'm. I, you know, don't let the emotions of one game carry over too much into the next one. You know, um, I, I believe that we should not fan from the sunken place. You know, a lot of people, like, can find the most miserable outlook for any game, like, they can be, if you win against a bad team and it's, oh, it doesn't count, I want to see it on a good team, blah, 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 if somebody's not playing and talk about who wasn't playing. Like, we just, won in U- we just won in Denver for the first time in 16 years, bro. Like tap into that version of yourself as a Knicks fan that may have watched Jamal Crawford hit that game winner. Like, you know, and remember how long ago that was. And think about everything in your life that's happened since then. And just smile for a little minute. Like, you know, like we've come a little, like <laughs> 16 years is a long time not to win in the building. And so we got that win. We started off 2 0. I did, I feel like there's a way to look at everything. Um, and so, you know, we, in Utah and in Denver, we beat teams who hadn't lost at home yet all year. And, like, we're pretty deep into the season for teams to not have lost at home. So, we won in tough environments. We did it on back-to-back nights. And, you know, we're seeing we're seeing the things that we asked for. That's another thing I want to say. Like, if you – for me, some people were complaining about what I was saying about Randall today or just saying, you know, like, oh, I'm not sold or I'm not going to celebrate that. I'm not going to applaud a man for the basic things. And I'm just like, me personally – I can't beg a guy for effort and energy, and then when he gets it, pretend it doesn't matter. And so, if I beg you for effort and energy, I'm going to celebrate the effort and energy I receive. Because if not, what am I doing? And so, yes, I wanted to be consistent. We all wanted to be consistent. We're not. No one here is saying, "All right, there we go. Two games of Julius Randle effort, one dive on the floor. He's back forever." But you know, I feel like if we should, we should enjoy what we saw. We should appreciate what we saw, and we should try to hope for the same moving forward. And if we get it, then great. And if we don't, then you can go back to talking about, you know, I'll be right back to saying I need it. But, you know, appreciate what we have while we have it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, if I have one final thing to say, it would be for people to take a wider view with R.J. Barrett. I think everyone knows that R.J. Barrett isn't going to continue to play like he played the last couple of games all season. There's no world where that's going to happen. And I think people are so frustrated with R.J. Barrett's struggles that they might be telling themselves, all right, well, even when he starts playing better, I'm going to remember this. I'm going to remember how bad he was in the middle of November, and um, you know, I'm never going to believe it again when RJ is looking like a star. But there will come a time where RJ looks like a star again, and at that time, I want everyone to know that it's okay not to stand on your negative takes from the past. It's okay if you were a prisoner of the moment for a short while. You know, I've been pretty low on what I've seen from RJ Barrett recently, but... He's going to have another phenomenal stretch. You know that it's coming. You know that you're not going to be able to resist getting excited about it. So just just try to just try to keep the context in mind. He's a 22-year-old. He's, you know, new season, couple new teammates. He's sick, whatever. I had a little bit of added muscle that he put on, throwing off his equilibrium a little bit. I think RJ is going to hit a stride at some point and never look back, which he quite literally did last year from, like, January 2nd. To the end of the season he averaged 24 points a game that wasn't a long time ago so I don't know I don't know how people are convincing themselves that that player is somehow lost and that the Knicks need to just be investing you know their their effort elsewhere on the roster
1: thank you for that <laughs> when I say that everybody says I'm being a homer so thank you <laughs> but yeah I mean that sounds like a good show to me how are you feeling
0: I'm feeling good I'm feeling great
1: all right, so uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the TKW Podcast channel. You can find plenty here. Please make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, you know, the next wall. Please make sure you subscribe on, I mean, follow us on Twitter if you haven't. Uh, we're 200 followers away from 50,000. That's going to be a pretty cool day, uh, you know. So if you're, if you're not yet following us on Twitter, I'm not sure how you found the podcast, but we appreciate you and follow us on Twitter and also follow us on Instagram, you know, TikTok, all of that good stuff. We're everywhere, wherever you consume your content, please follow us. Um, and until next time, you know, you guys have a great one. So on behalf of myself and,
0: and myself, <laughs> <Nothing>? <laughs> I don't know how to respond, now, but on behalf of me, Dean, my co-host, Sean, yeah, we'll too. just go back and forth here until, there you uh, go, I like that. kicks us off. But yeah. <laughs> Alright, you guys have a great one, enjoy and...